Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning, this is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. I'm Adol Kozilski, next to me, Fagy. Good morning, Fagy. Good morning, Adol. Beautiful day today, a little bit chilly, but I believe that the Cape Tonians are going to be sending some of the bad weather our way, so uh, be ready for a chilly weekend. I'm hoping that the coast is fine for all the people going next week. Yes, and and maybe we should be getting this week. (laughs) Right, today we are going to be discussing your child's brain, like this is something that Jewish mothers are always worried about, right, and fathers. We put so much, so much effort on our child's brain and that they should, you know, come out as the Einsteins of this world. But there's a lot of parents, um, that, that suffer and there are a lot of children that are suffering with, 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 with certain, um, uh, challenges in their lives. And so today we are going to explore a little bit more what we can do to enhance and to assist our children to grow up as healthy as they can be with if they do have any challenges and how to direct it. Our guest is going is Missy Rudolph. She has been she has been on uh, on High FM before. She graduated as a speech therapist and audiologist in 2012 and currently works full time at Bella Vista School. She has a special interest in neurodevelopmental disorders such as ADHD, dyslexia, autism spectrum, and apraxia of speech. And in 2021, she obtained a diploma in integrative nutrition, and this year she qualified as well as a kids yoga teacher. Nissi believes in treating clients holistically and incorporating aspects such as sleep, nutrition, sunlight, nervous system regulation and movement to optimize clients' brain and development. Without further ado, good morning, Nissi. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us again. Um, Let's start from from, from the beginning, and can you tell us a little bit about what you do and what your role is in working with learning disorders and kids? Sure. So, as you mentioned, I'm a speech therapist at Bella Vista School, so I work with children who have learning disorders and learning difficulties. Um, a lot of them have neurodevelopmental disorders, ADHD, dyslexia. It really is a passion of mine. I love working with these children. They just come with so many beautiful gifts as well. And um, for me, besides for the speech and the articulation and the language and the reading that I'm working on and those academic skills, I think the ultimate goal is really just boosting their self-esteem um, really reducing their frustration, helping them with communication and um, connect, uh, you know, helping them with their brain connections, strengthening those brain networks, um, and really just also bringing out their strengths and their gifts. Brain health is a topic that more people are exploring these days. What makes you so passionate about brain health? So for me, I'm, I'm na- I naturally care about the health of my clients' brains because the brain is at the core of all processing and thinking and language. So for me, it's part of my job. It's part of what I do. And I'm really fascinated by neuroscience, the neuroscience of learning and cognition and behavior. Um, You know, when we look at a child and we see how are they thinking, how are they focusing, how are they learning, we have to actually look at their brain and what's going on neurologically. And, you know, when I'm doing speech therapy with them, I'm working from a top-down approach, meaning I'm teaching them skills, reading skills, cognitive skills, um, we do various activities. Um, you know, I teach them compensation strategies, but we also have to look 
from a bottom-up approach and actually look at the anatomy of the brain, the physiology, what's going on, what are the biochemical processes taking place, and how can we optimize those and enhance those through lifestyle um, uh, factors. So just in terms of that, I mean, obviously now I think more and more society is coming to understand that you can't cookie-cut an approach to children. You know, I mean, we all got brains and we all, you know, have got things in common with each other. But just personality and character also plays a huge, huge part in that. So when when you're looking at the kid, are you just drawing on different skills depending perhaps on the kid's personality or, or other things that are, you know, that are affecting the kid? Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And, yes, there's so much diversity out there. So, for example, you get children who are neurotypical and then you get children who are who have neurodiverse uh, conditions. So, for, like I said, like the ADHD and the autism, for example, then you get children who have different personalities. You get children who have different circumstances, different lifestyles. Some children are exposed to trauma. Some aren't. A lot of children these days are exposed to trauma, even if it's small t trauma, um, such as uh, social issues, um, stress that, uh, that their parents are um, exposing them to or difficulty in their parents' marriage. So a lot of children are going through challenges at the moment and even um, different circumstances, for example, children living in South Africa and what they have to deal with with crime and load shedding and the bad news that's you know on TV every day. So we do have to look at each child and their circumstances and their personality and make a customized plan and really look at each child and what they need. So for example, if one child needs certain strategies to help them deal with uh, trauma and psychological issues, that's very important for their brain health. If another child is really well settled and well adjusted, but is um, really getting not good quality sleep or is um, on the screen the whole day, then that's what we have to focus on and look at and see how we can put a plan into place for them. Mm. It seems like today things things are a little bit are, are more complicated. And I think that we are coming to understand um, trauma, particularly. I just before we go to the break, it was something that 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 um, I picked up just the other day. Um, the 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 um, the label neurodiverse. And somebody was talking about neurodiverse children, and I was going, okay, like what exactly? Can you just help me with the definition? And maybe our, our listeners out there. That, that just, yeah, I love that you asked that because it's actually something I just wrote an article for, uh, an article for Bella Vista about neurodiverse children. Um, so what it is, is it's that this, it's this whole new perspective that it, these children that have ADHD, dyslexia, apraxia, autism, they used to be seen as disabilities. And now there's this new wave of thinking. It's actually been around since the 90s, but it's becoming more popular where we don't look at them as children with disabilities. We look at them as children with neurodiverse brains. And those neurodiverse brains, it just means a different way that the brain is wired, a different way that the brain functions. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are disabled or that they need to be fixed or cured. And it's a very interesting new approach because it's saying these children also have gifts themselves and strengths to share with the world. And for example, some of them go on to become engineers, scientists. Um, you look at Elon Musk and, you know, how successful he is. And he is definitely neurodiverse. Um, you know, he comes with his quirks and he doesn't have um, a great EQ. But for him, his strengths are his innovation, his um, his genius brain. Um, 
And then you look at children who um, aren't great with reading and writing. So let's say they have dyslexia, but they are so creative. They're artistic. They're social. They've got good um, street, you know, they're street smart. They've got great EQ. So we need all those different types of children and people in the world. And that's what neurodiversity is about, is embracing the strengths and the gifts. Thank you. That uh, that certainly uh, clarifies that. And we're speaking to Nisi. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. We are talking about our children's brain health. Fagy, I know that you wanted to ask Nisi something. Nisi, when you talk about brain health, are you saying about actually a kid's healthy diet? Is that what you're relating to? So, yeah, I think to some degree, a healthy diet does contribute to brain health. It definitely does. Like the brain needs nutrients and essential fatty acids and antioxidants um, to form those strong connections and to to promote those um, those neurotransmitters and endorphins, feel-good hormones, and the hormones that help them concentrate and, and function. So definitely diet. But I think it's so much bigger than that. To, to look at the bigger picture, just um, – how many more aspects in the lifestyle environment we need to look at for a healthy brain. So is the child being exposed to sunlight during the day, you know, to promote that production of vitamin D? And um, there's so many more things that sunlight helps with. For example, there's circadian rhythms and um, just yes. general. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, so sunlight is so important and something that's, you know, that's, it's free. It's not something you have to pay to take your child to, to go get sunlight. So, I think that's a huge one. It's really important. Um, it even promotes their resilience being exposed to sunlight because of all the biochemical processes that it affects. Um, and then there's sleep. Um, so I think sleep is something that a lot of us take for granted. It's definitely something I took for granted before I had my son. Mm-hmm. And so it really makes me even more passionate about this topic because it's there's so many processes that happen when a child sleeps and adults, but specifically talking about children, when they sleep, um, their brain undergoes a detox process, which is so important to reduce that brain inflammation and things that are going on in the brain. Um, they, they consolidate memories, which helps them with their learning. They process emotions on a subconscious level, which helps them with their emotional regulation. And just think about a time when you didn't have a good night's sleep. For me, that's, that's quite often these days, but, um, think about it, you know, how, you know, maybe you struggled with word finding issues that the next day, uh, maybe you struggled with focus, maybe you got irritable quite quickly, you know, thank God for coffee. Um, but I, I just think that a lot of these kids are not getting good quality sleep. It's a big, big issue and it's, and parents are struggling. And they see the effects the next day. We even see children, um, every day I work with children who, um, have difficulties with focus. And I often see it so much harder for them when they haven't had good sleep the night before. I can tell instantly. Um, so it really is something important to look at is their sleep. And if you um, are doing a consistent bedtime routine, calming them before bed, giving them, let's say, um, a really good foundation for getting that good quality sleep, making sure they're not looking at bright screens at night, um, making sure they're getting enough iron and magnesium during the day and they're still not sleeping well there could be airway issues there could be sleep apnea that's also something that you should look into if you if your child is struggling um, with sleep because that can affect the quality of their sleep and that can affect everything their learning their behavior so um i would recommend because i'm struggling with my son a little bit he's like you know 
getting headaches and he's tired. And at the end of the day, he completely crashes. And I've really like recently realized that he's suffering with his TMJ. So maybe he's grinding his teeth at night. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of sleep stuff that happens with a child that we don't even know, like, notice. Yeah, exactly. And people just um, think, oh, you know, they maybe they were just a little bit, um, maybe they had a bit of insomnia. But no, actually, there's always a root cause for why there isn't good quality sleep happening. And that's something that I would really recommend um, monitoring your child more, seeing if if you think they do need a, an assessment, maybe by an airway specialist, a dentist that specializes in airway or an orthodontist that specializes in airway, even an ENT. You know what's so interesting? This um, last long weekend, I went away with my grandchildren, okay, um, ranging between the ages of like three to about nine or ten, and we went we went out to 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 the Drakensberg on a resort, and for five days, I watched my grandchildren interact with the world in a completely different way to the way we live in, in, in Joburg. And it actually, it didn't only really struck me, it struck like my husband and, 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 and one another and went and said, we have robbed our children yeah. of the ability to go out into open spaces, to explore, mm. breathe fresh air, to exactly as you said, to have the sun, to go. They, they, they transformed into completely different children. And mm. as we kind of rolled back into Joburg and got back into, I felt like I was, Putting them back in a box. There's so much pressure. Right. There's so much pressure. Get to school. Get to this. Finish your yeah. homework. Go to this. Go to the extramural. Go to the other thing. And then you, they were so unirritable. And yes, okay, I agree we were on holiday, but I mean, there, there were things that they, you know, we, we, we took them to, to do like a, uh, to the adventure center. They had to do, to do climb ropes and stuff and everything like that. And they were put under pressure. You know, almost, I guess, the same pressure as like, you know, you've got to pass your exam, but the, the yeah. resilience came out in such a, such a different way. The fears and the other thing. And I said, my gosh, I think that to a large extent, we have lost the plot in the crazy life we're living. And again, not getting the sun, not getting the fresh air, not getting stimulated, not thinking for yourself, not being you're not promoting them to, to make a plan, you know, like we said, okay, we're going to build a fire, go out and collect the wood. Like something mm. as simple as that was just like an incredible, or let's learn how to ride a horse. And their minds were so open and down. And I feel like in, in, in suburbia, we are, we, we're trying to promote brain health and brain growth and all of the things we're talking about, but we, we kind of like box it into like, you know, I think a limited way. Yeah, exactly. Resilience is the, the key word here because as you're saying, Adol, when you're going on holiday and you're out there in nature and you're breathing fresh air and there's less screen time and you're climbing and jumping and running around and going on hikes and it's so amazing for the body and the soul and you wish you could just kind of package that and bring it back to Joburg. But unfortunately we can't. But what we can do is bring in those micro moments, bring in those aspects of the holidays that we do love as much as we can, wherever we can, into our crazy, crazy busy lives on the hamster wheel in Joburg. So it's so important for us as adults and our kids to try and bring those moments in. And I'll talk to that more now, but um, for, uh, for resilience, because if, you know, if we could just live on a mountaintop or in a cave and meditate the whole day or live in a forest, um, in a beautiful cabin, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be a dream, um, to be able to do that with our kids? But unfortunately, that's not the reality. And life is stressful. There's lots of demands. There's, 
bad news everywhere. People are struggling with their health. How can we actually, how, like, how can we do all the things that we want to do for our health in, in this environment that we're living in where we're not outside in nature all the time? So it really is something to, you know, it's a conversation that we need to keep having with us, with our kids and just say, what can we do? What more can we do to reset our nervous system, bring nature to us? Um, be out and about more, try to find a park to go to, try arrange bike riding, um, you know, Saturdays or Sundays where you go on bike rides with your kids or you go on a hike, wherever you can um, go for, for walks with your kids um, before supper or after supper. In Joburg, it's not so safe walking at night. So that is that is also, you know, something that we struggle with. So wherever you can, whether it's in the afternoon or on the weekends, trying to go for walks with your kids, getting sunlight, being outdoors, um, and then bringing in those micro moments of connection like you would have on holiday. Um, really just trying to do activities with your kids that involve a lot of movement and, um, and even, you know, even Shabbos, you know, people who keep Shabbos, it's such a blessing because it really is that nervous, it's that ultimate nervous system reset with no screens, family connection, real one to one, um, you know, communication, davening, um, by the way, the chief rabbi didn't pay me to say this. <laughs> but if you are listening, I'm happy to accept permission. <laughs> um, but seriously, like Shabbos is the ultimate nervous system reset. You know, um, even um, having more rest on Shabbos, having more um, walking time where we're walking around more. We're not up and down in our cars, rushing from place to place to place. I mean, I think about people and their schedules with their children, they rushing to work, then they're rushing to the skin to get medicine for the kids. Then they're taking their child to the dentist and they take dropping their child off at an extramural. Then they, you know, how do we actually keep up? From someone yesterday, she says, I don't even notice if I bash my arm against the wall and it gets all scraped. I'm so busy. <laughs> it's like, yes, exactly. That is the life exactly. we live in at the moment. Love, crazy. It is crazy. So I think like, I think what's, what's necessary and, it's hard to do, but it's so worthwhile. It's so, so beneficial. It's priceless. It's bringing in micro moments of health and well-being and healthy habits. So moving more, getting outdoors more, uh, wherever you can, you know, just like we would plan and book appointments that are, um, you know, that are part of our lives. And just like with work, we have to plan everything. You know, we have to plan this podcast. What time is it? Let's send the Zoom you and I and all of us really need to start planning and prioritizing little moments to to ensure our children's health. So planning that we're going to do a breathing exercise and a and a um, a 10 minute yoga class that we found on YouTube together or um, just any kind of ways that we can really try and regulate our nervous systems to try and promote that resilience. So encouraging your child to take solo time, journaling, coloring in, doing anything that they find, um, you know, um, really enriches their soul, drawing, coloring, painting, any hobbies that they love, really encouraging that, even things like chess, any kind of hobby that enriches your child's um, life that is something that's separate from that crazy, you know, school extramural rush. Um, is, is really, really important and builds that resilience. So if they have a, if they have a place and an outlet to express themselves, to enjoy what they do, to, um, be outside or do a hobby that they really love, that, that does give them the, the strength to deal with the stress of life. I think, I think as you're speaking, it would be absolutely 
um, incredible. Maybe it's it's a pipe dream that maybe the whole um, area of education, you know, has to be changed in terms of you coming to school for eight hours and like whatever, seven hours of the time you're just sitting there learning and learning and pressure and pressure. I think that if there was more emphasis on even learning outside or doing, you know, stimulating the kids in, in, in other ways that they're learning themselves. I mean, again, those five days, not one of the kids asked for screen time. And I can tell you categorically in Johannesburg, that's all they do. You know, in between, they go, I'm bored, I need screen time. And here it wasn't that we created like some type of entertainment. It was just the only No, I think load and- sharing's kind of helped that. I've seen in, when I've come to pick up my kids from school, there's a whole lot of desks outside in the sun because the classroom's cold and dark. Mm-hmm. They're outside, you know, doing their work. The teacher's teaching them in some kind of different way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. definitely it's very hard for the kids to be sitting down in a, in a desk for eight hours, com- like, consistently. And also mm-hmm. moving to the next, to the next, to the next. It's, it's like a constant, you know, your brain is, is busy. My kid comes home from school and he is wrecked. Frazzled. Yeah, absolutely frazzled. Frazzled is definitely the right word. And I think it starts with us as the adults. So for us as parents and the the educators is looking at what ways we can bring in breaks for our body and our brain, that we're not sitting at a desk the whole day or that we're not on screens, um, that we bring ourselves um, little, you know, little things throughout the day that refresh us and regulate us and um, I think like even what, you know, the OTs that I work with, um, if they're, if they're sensory trained, sensory integration trained, what I've learned so much about is those sensory inputs also really help for nervous system regulation. So we live in a crazy, busy world where there isn't always time to, um, you know, just go outside and sit peacefully in the garden, but there are ways of, of bringing in sensory inputs that really, really help to regulate the nervous system. So, for example, proprioceptive input, which is the body's pressure receptor, so the body's ability to sense pressure, and that that you can get from jumping on a trampoline, jumping and hopping, um, doing yoga, so yoga where you all exercise, where you weight-bearing on your hands, planking, um, even deep pressure when somebody can put roll a yoga ball over you or put a when you're using a weighted blanket, that's proprioceptive input. So anything when you're using something that makes you feel like cozy and safe, um, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, even running, jogging, all of those things are proprioceptive input. Um, hugs, hugs are proprioceptive input. So we take it for granted. But when our child needs a hug, sometimes they really need a hug. And it actually and regulates the nervous system. Yeah, definitely. I think also in classrooms, we need to, we need to teach children how to breathe. Like, how many people don't know how to breathe? Like, surely we should have a class on how to learn to calm yourself down by breathing deeply. Yeah, I think that's so important. It's something that, like, everyone um, would benefit from. Children, adults, whether you're neurotypical, neurodiverse, whether you whether you have a very stressful life, whether you have a, you know, it's so important for everyone to learn proper ways of breathing. And I think that's something, that's one of the reasons why I love teaching kids yoga is because I actually teach them breathing strategies and it's something that they can go to and use as a part of their toolkit and in developing their resilience when things are stressful. Um, so it would be great if we could bring this into more schools. Um, I'm fascinated by the fact that you're teaching kids yoga. You'd think that that, that is something like, more adult-like in that you, you need a lot of concentration, you know, particularly if you're doing those types of yoga where, you know, you have to hold positions. 
Like how, how, how does it work with the kids? So it's very different for kids. Um, when you're teaching yoga to kids, it's it's not as structured and strict as when you're teaching it to adults. Um, you are expecting them to not have as much of an attention span. You're expecting them to be more active. You're expecting them to be more playful. You're using you're getting them to use your imag- their imaginations a lot more. You're actually getting them to be more active. So we do a a, a lot of more warm up. So a lot more cardio and aerobic type of um, activities even before we start the yoga class to get the energy out, get their heart rate going. Um, and then it's also, um, as I said, a lot more um, imagination-based rather than you must do this and hold that pose. You must do this and hold that pose. Um, it's a lot more uh, focused on their um their love of move, you know, encouraging their love of movement, encouraging their body to move in different ways. And then, like I said, that proprioceptive input. So when they're weight bearing on their hands or on their feet or even going into down dog, that's a great proprioceptive um, input for them, which regulates them. Um, so, yeah, it is very different to adults yoga. It has to obviously be a lot more fun and hold their attention. And, you know, it's also accepting them and meeting them where they are. They don't have to do things perfectly. It's just about them moving their bodies and really getting that benefit from that from that input. I think I think at the end of the day, though, it does come. Uh, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid, and I think that all the things that you are talking about, um, you know, there needs to be a combined effort. Like I think our kids are the product of our lifestyles. And what it is that we are doing that, that we are, are guilty to, to a large extent of, you know, we are rushing, we're not stopping, we're not smelling the coffee, we're not, we're not eating well, we're not, we're not doing all of these things. And we just like mm. pass it on to our kids just quick. It's easier just to throw a bowl of cereal and milk in the morning than mm. just sit down and, you know, make the effort to, to, to make a, a healthy breakfast or something, you know, that's going to keep their, say their sugar levels, you know, mm. it's just mm. exactly. To, to put the screen in front of them and let the screen babysit them, you know, as opposed to again putting in 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 the a lot input. of effort. So there, there is there is a lot of effort. Like what 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 would you say to parents? Like saying I just it's just all too much. Is it all? Is is it? Does it just boil down to a conscious decision of I don't want to live this way and I need to make changes? Or are there are there practical ideas that you can share with parents that? You know, we can put a month out our, our crazy life because it is, it is a crazy life. And some things can also be quite expensive to upkeep all the time, taking them to all these extramurals and yeah. these yogas and these doctors and yes. these supplements and, you no, know. 100%. Um, so we're, we're going to discuss this just right after the break. We are speaking to Nissi Cohen. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Just a little reminder that Fagy and I run a WhatsApp group where we drop a little thought, one or two, maybe sometimes three, maybe sometimes nothing on one day. So it just depends how we're rocking and rolling. And um, that encourage you and give you different ideas on how to better your health and your environment. If you'd like to join that WhatsApp group. Please send an email to info at chaifm.com. Give us your name and number. We'll gladly join you. It's not spam. It's only admin run. You can leave it on silent. And, you know, in a quiet moment, you can watch. We only give it. We, we, we worry about people's We even give some nice recipes. We give some nice recipes. And we don't give anything that lasts longer than, I think, than two minutes, <laughs> right? Because we are cognizant of people's <laughs> concentration span. So, 
Uh, yes, if you'd like to join, please uh, please feel free. We're speaking with Nisi Cohn. We're talking about the health of our children. We were talking just before the break, uh, Nisi, about what what ways can parents insert or what ideas do you have where we can just, I don't know, I guess balance. Try to mm. find some type, some type of balance um, to this maddening world and what it is that we really are doing to our children's brains. Because for me, it's indicative if we've got so much neurodiversity and, and every child has a hang-up and everything. Is that not a comment on society that we've actually, in a sense, and I'm putting it in inverted commas, driven our kids crazy, right? It's It's us and the environment that we're doing what we're doing that is actually exacerbating um, the situation. I'm not saying that there isn't problems, but we're exacerbating it. Yeah, I think, listen, this environment that we're living in and our circumstances, it causes a lot of stress. It doesn't, it's not so conducive to health. But having said that, I think it's so normal for, firstly, it's just inevitable. This is our lives now. We're rushing, we're busy. The kids have school extramurals. We have a million appointments. Um, and also we do have to rely on screens sometimes. And it's normal for kids to love fast food and to love screens. It's absolutely normal. There's no shame in that. No shame. No, um, there's nothing wrong with your child. That is, that is who children, you know, that's the type of children we have these days is that they are more, um, you know, they're just, they, they're, they're attracted to screens. They love fast food and that's okay. There's no shame on us as parents either. Um, it's not something we've done wrong. It's not something that, um, we need to look and say, Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm a terrible parent. Um, my child, um, you know, didn't exercise today and he was just watching TV the whole day. But I think what we do need to do is really just reflect and say, how do I want to show up as a parent? What are my values? And is this working? You know, if it's working for you, Go for it a hundred percent. You know, some families are thriving. Um, you know, if they, some, some families, even when they're rushing around busy and their ch- children are watching a lot of TV or iPads and they're getting takeaways for supper every night, some of those families are okay because they're finding other ways of bringing in, um, you know, healthy aspects into their lives. But if you're reflecting on your life and on you and your child and their behavior and you're seeing, Hey, this isn't working, then yes, like you said before, you have to make a conscious decision. Something needs to change. What needs to change? What are the, what are going to be the barriers? What are going to be the obstacles to those changes? So for example, um, you know, if you decide you want to bring more um, movement and outdoor time and uh, better sleep into your child's life. So what are the obstacles to achieving that? Um, then you need to look at, okay, how can you overcome those obstacles? Who can you rely on? Can you find a community of people that will help you? Can you go look on, online? Instagram, uh, online blogs, books. There's so many resources out there and there's so many free resources out there. I find that I've actually, I've spent barely anything. Uh, I've spent barely any money on actually looking up, um, you know, healthy recipes for my child and ways of, of, of moving with him. I've, all you have to do is look on YouTube, Google. There's so many free resources out there, pages on Instagram. Um, and I think, like, as I said as well, finding that community is so important because you can have all the information, but it's very, very hard to keep that up, especially when our lives are so crazy. You can have all the information about health, but can you actually implement it and keep it up and maintain it? So that's where you need to find people that have the same goals as you, maybe other friends of yours or other um, people in the same area as you really want to help their children improve their health and you 
you you really build this community which really supports each other and you you lean on other people you lean on if you need to um psychologists play therapists your children therapists like um that or, or coaches even so really lean on support because you can't do anything without support and without community uh, and just keep educating yourself and 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 you know if you need to want to do courses do workshops um, and really educate yourself on how to um, bring these um, healthy habits into your child's life. So it looks like you, you've got like a completely holistic view of all the kids. You've studied nutrition. You, you're doing kids yoga. Where are you going next? What what area are you exploring next? So I'm, I'm a huge brain geek, uh, neuroscience geek. Um, I actually want to do my master's next year. So I'm going to hopefully be doing my master's in neurodevelopment and, and neuroscience. And uh, we'll see where that takes me next. Is there is there in, in anything else that um, you feel that parents, not only of neurodiverse children, but um, of 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 just the normal society, that you know that you can give any other pointers that you want to to, to share with us? I mean, I think like at the end of the day, you know, these uh, there's no quick fix to anything. There's no silver bullet. And and developing a healthy lifestyle and building these healthy brains, it takes time and it takes patience and it takes discipline and it takes that that discipline of making that conscious decision that this is how I'm going to plan the week ahead and these are this is what I'm going to bring in. These are the elements I'm going to bring in to really, really try my best. And you could be that parent that says, I'm going to let my child watch TV and watch screens four nights of the week and then three nights, non-negotiable, they're not allowed to. Or you could say, my child is going to do um, uh, uh, yoga or an exercise class on Zumba, or a Zumba class on YouTube twice a week, non-negotiable. Um, or um, we're going to do a bike ride every Sunday, non-negotiable. You you actually plan it. You put it in your calendar. Um, you you build in moments of connection with your child. You build in moments for them of 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 building of uh, regulating their nervous system where they have opportunities to express themselves to be to show their creative side to to journal to to breathe um and uh and i really think that it's something that takes patience and time to keep up but it's so worth it at the end of the day just one last question that that i'm thinking about there's a lot of talk about trauma today Right, and not trauma because you you were in the killing fields in Vietnam. You know there is major trauma, but that it's it's coming out more and more in research that just the environment in which we're putting our kids is is, is traumatic for kids. And and you know if, if if they are consistently being fed that can I use the word low grade trauma every single day that eventually it does start affecting their learning, their their, their ability to function. You know, are, are there things, are, are there um, modalities out there, save of taking a kid, you know, now and saying to them, you know, go to the psychologist and talk about your things. So there's so many kids are walking mm. around with anxiety. Mm, mm. Yeah, anxiety is at an all-time high. And this is actually also one of my favorite topics, which I could go into for <laughs> do you have all day. But um, <laughs> if you look at Stephen Porges' work and uh, Peter Levine and all of this work on the polyvagal theory and uh, – and uh, um, what's his name um, also talks about trauma. Uh, it will come to me. They um, they they speak about how uh, children uh, children who are exposed to trauma, which is pretty much everyone these days, 
it does affect their learning. It affects their feeling of safety in the world. It affects how their brain perceives dangers around them and it makes puts them into fight or flight, which I think I spoke about last time I was on the show. And if children are in fight or flight mode, they they can't function at their best. They can't learn to the very best of their ability. Their behavior is affected. Their social abilities are even affected because if they don't feel safe, they isolate themselves more or they act out more. Or they can't communicate as well. So really just getting those children out of fight or flight mode. And psychologists are becoming more and more uh, aware of this and trying to bring more of those strategies into their sessions. But if you find that maybe your child needs something more than just talk therapy, there are body-based therapies out there. Um, they really are that work on trauma from a from a body perspective, from getting them out of their fight or flight, um, and and that goes back to regulating their nervous system. So it all comes back to regulating their nervous system and teaching them strategies and empowering them to know what works for them, so that they can actually take on those strategies themselves to get out of fight or flight and go more into rest and digest and socialize mode. So there you have it. I think I mean there, there, there's a lot of components that actually you know. Get into it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, Nessie, I, I hear you and I, I applaud you for all that you're studying that you're doing because the brain is pretty complex and I think that there's so much that we can do for our children. Thank Nessie, you. And it's not to interrupt, but the name just came to me. It's Gabor Mate. Yes, Gabor Mate. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Nessie, if people would like to get hold of you, how can they? Um, so they can contact me on my email address, on my work email address. So that's Nisi. Perfect. Thank you so much again for your expertise, for your time, for your insight. Um, it certainly is, it's, it's important even just to, to hear this again and again and again. Absolutely. That will uh, make a change in the way that we are, are living our crazy, tw- uh, you know, 21st century life. So much to take home. So much to take home. Thank you, Nisi. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was great to be on the show. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. Have a wonderful week ahead.